Yo, what's up? What's up, guys? Welcome back. Welcome back to uh, Sparklight. Um, first episode in a while that we don't have a guest. Um, it's just me. Uh, so you're going to deal with that today. But um, no, uh, what I think what I, I, I was actually in Chicago um, last week taking care of some business. Um, I actually uh, had a T-shirt release. I'm wearing a shirt right now for those of you all can see on the video. Girls love Pavherbs. Um, but... So I was in Chicago doing that. Um, and actually, when I was in Chicago, the the Sparks actually happened to be in Chicago. They played the Chicago Sky. They lost. Um, I wanted to go to that game, but my event just was pretty much the same time as the game, so I couldn't make it. Um, but right now, where the Sparks stand, since we last talked, they're actually 18-10. and 10. They've clinched the playoff spot. They're actually above Vegas now. They have basically like a one percentage higher win percentage than Vegas. Um, but Chicago is right on their heels. Again, Vegas is right on their heels. Seattle clinched the playoff spot. Actually, I think yesterday they're 15 and 14. Um, the Lynx are 15 and 15, and the Mercury are 13 and 15. So basically, those are the eight teams that are going to be in the playoffs. Um, Indiana Fever and Dallas Wings, Liberty, Dream, they're pretty much, I mean, the Dream have literally been mathematically eliminated. But the Fever, who the Sparks played, I think it was on the 22nd, um, that might be the worst team in the league. And I hate to say it like that, at least that I saw. Um, they just did not have the talent to compete with the Sparks, like, at all. Um, Erica Wheeler got pretty much trapped every play. Uh, uh, Raquan has come back, and I know everybody mostly focuses on her offense, um, but I actually got a chance to ask uh Coach Fisher, and Raquana, and Candace Parker, and Sidney Weiss about um, Raquana's defense, and uh, they all had like pretty much uh, um, great things to say about her. Uh, for one, I don't think Raquana, just her defensive style. I don't think she's necessarily the quote unquote best defender, but I think that what she brings to the game is just like irritating. Like if I'm for instance, like Patrick Beverly. I always compare her to Patrick Beverly, right? Like, I don't think Patrick Beverly is the best defender, um, but he's just irritating. Like, you know that every time you play against Pat, you're going to be in for 48 minutes, and, and it's not going to be easy. Even if you do end up scoring 40, he's going to make that 40 a very difficult 40. When you go home that day, you're going to be like, you know what? I worked hard for this 40 ball. Um, same thing with Raquana. Like, yeah, you're you're gonna score on her because again, like offense, great offense will beat great defense ninety nine point nine percent of the time. But she's gonna make it difficult. And she's gonna be irritating. She's gonna like toe the line between like what's actually legal and what the ref will allow. She just and like again, she's just physical. And then the thing about Raquana that makes her different from like let's say if I had just put you know just for a comparison like a Tony Allen on it is that. When you switch sides and we get back to offense, you also have to guard her. She's very capable of, when it comes to shot creation, um, she's probably one of the best shot creators in the um, W. Um, also, she's very good at drawing contact. And I think that one thing that a lot of players in the W don't do is that they don't really initiate contact too much. But like a lot of them don't do that just because they aren't as athletic as she is. She can jump in the air, shift her body, or like jump in the air, stop and make you hit her and get herself to the line and get those, you know, easy two points like two or three times a game. Um, and I just think that, I mean, honestly, when I, when, I, when I look at the Spartans, I mean, I don't know what 
exactly they are right now when it comes to it. Like, I don't know what their defensive rating is, but really it doesn't really matter because they just got, I think the game against the Fever actually was the first time that they had all 12 players that they actually signed all season. So you're talking about game number, I'm pretty sure that was game number, what, 27? And that's the first time that they had all 12 players that Penny and Derek signed at the beginning of the season and brought into training camp with intention that they were going to play. We even not ended up brought into training camp because even at the start of training camp, Chelsea wasn't there. Uh, Candace got hurt with, within the, like the second preseason game. So pretty much for the first time all year in any capacity, they've had their official team that they were supposed to have. So whatever defensive stats, like they don't really matter because that's not the team that we're seeing right now. Um, but when it comes to defense, like I think that I think that Washington far and away is the best offensive team, um, like far and away the best offensive team. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think they played the game against, I think it might have been the Indiana Fever, um, and they hit a record for. I see. Let me check and make sure. Look at their most recent wins and losses. Um, no, it was against. Well. It was a yep. It was an Indiana Fever where they won 107 to 68. They, as a team, hit a record. Um, let's look. As a team, hit a record. Uh, where is it? Um, 18 threes. They took 40 basically. They they took 39 threes and hit 18 of them. Shot 46 percent from the line. Well, not not um not from the line, but from distance. And shot 15 for 15 from the. Um, free throw line, but the 18 threes is a, is a WNBA record. Um, so I think like Washington is far and away the best offensive team, and Deladon, she should not win MVP unanimously. I've had this conversation with John Davis many times. I mean, I think we sat on the last um, episode and we discussed it. Um, she shouldn't win MVP unanimously because I do think that NECA deserves some consideration just when you um, – um, based on the fact that she's really only missed one game. She missed the Space Jam game. I think that if I'm not mistaken, I think she might have been tired from shooting Space Jam and she missed that game. But when everybody else was in and out the rotation, in and out the lineup, NECA was there every single night holding this team down. Um, if I'm, Let me actually look at what she's averaging now because last time I looked at her average, she was basically averaging a double-double. It was like 16 and 16.8 and like 9.8 or something like that. But let me just make sure um, what she's averaging right now. She's averaging basically the same stats, 16.7, uh, 9.2, two assists, two steals, and 0.5 blocks. Um, shooting 49% from the field, 35% from three, which dropped a little bit. She was basically at 50, 40, 90 about like, I want to say, two weeks ago, and she's shooting 83% from the line. Well, 50, 40, 80 basically is what she was at a couple weeks ago. So I definitely think she deserves some consideration when you – because my thing with MVP with any sport, usually, unless somebody is having some insane season, which Deladon is basically having. Like, Deladon is a one on the best team, and she also is just having a better individual season than NECA. So I think that she should get it, but it should not be unanimous. Uh, somebody should definitely give NECA some votes. Yeah, Deladon is averaging 19 points, eight rebounds, two assists, a block. She's shooting 50-40-90. She's at 51% from the field, 41% from three, and 96% from three. So she's going to win it, 100%. Like she hands down, and Washington is leading the league. They are. They sit at um, 
21 and 8. So she's hand down going to win it. But I think NECA should get some first place votes. Like if Deladon gets 80, NECA should get 20 of the first place votes. But Deladon should win it. But that being said, I think Washington is far and away the best offensive team. But when I look at it, man, I think that the Sparks might be the best defensive team. Um, especially when you add in Elena Beard. She's finally back. Um, she looks good. Um, the thing about Elena is actually her shot looks great. Um, yeah, her shot looks great. She looks amazing. She looks healthy. Um, she's back. Uh, uh, TRP, pretty much every game, TRP, like, gets hit or suffers. Or, like, she, like, runs into a screen or, you know, she has a play in which she's down on, the, on like, the floor for, like, a minute. But that's because she plays so hard defensively. Um, she pretty much is given the task of, like, hawking whichever main ball handler 94 feet up the court. And now what you see teams doing is, which which I which that's something that the Sparks need to also do and help her out, especially when it's on those um, you know, full court presses, is call out those screens. Because what teams are doing now is they're just sitting like they're they're, you know, uh they're uh they're a big man up there basically to just set that screen on her and just like get her off of a little bit. Like, okay, you you wanna press up, press us up court, okay. Run in run into this screen, feel this contact. Next time you're doing that, you probably gonna think about, you know, what you're doing. Um, but even somebody like Sydney, man, when she comes off the bench, I know last game um, in which they played against the Sun, which they won, which I actually thought that they had a chance to lose. Um, but they pulled it out. They won. Um, Sydney Weiss was a plus 13. Um, Sydney has moved back to the bench um, now that Raquana is back. But the thing I like about Sydney is um, I actually got a chance to talk to even Sydney um, and ask her about her progression throughout the season. And um, basically what I wanted to know is – just like uh just her progression like every single you know at the beginning of the season I always loved her intensity right I thought that she was that she was kind of like that Derek Fisher type player that you needed um um for the Sparks like she was a person where her impact wasn't so much going to be shown through the box score but more so through like the plus minus um, but lately it's even being shown in the box score and through the plus minus. Um, she's shooting the ball confidently. And I can tell she's shooting it confidently because one, she pretty much doesn't take a shot that she shouldn't take. I also got a chance to ask her about that, but she doesn't take shots that she shouldn't take, but she also doesn't pass up shots that she should take. And I think that that's what's even more important than not taking shots that you shouldn't take is not passing up shots that you should take, especially in the WNBA because Again, like if you compare it to the NBA, like you you don't, you don't have you have some ISO players who can get it done, but a lot of things in the in um in the W, especially depending on what team it is, it's more system and you know you get good shots through running plays. So if you create an opportunity in the Florida offense, you have to be ready and willing to shoot the ball. Now I think the Sparks are one of those teams that do have isolation players. Uh, again, they have Chelsea Gray, Raquana Williams, um, Neca can even get her own. Candace Parker obviously can get her own. Um, even like Maria, you can kind of like dump the ball to her on the block and move away. She can get her own. Alexis can even kind of sort of get her own. But still, when you have shots in the floor of the offense, you have to take them. And I think that that more than anything just shows me the confidence that Sydney is, is, you know, playing with now. Even when she handles the ball, like when she goes to backup point guard, I remember in the beginning of the season, you know, she was talking about her time in Europe and how she was playing like the one through the three and how that, you know, may help her coming back to the States and playing at the um, WNBA, I think that you can, like, finally now start to see 
um, what she was doing in Europe and, and you know, how that may have helped her translating back to the WNBA because she's just playing with so much confidence now and just um, I love the way she's playing and, and um, I love the way that she's playing no matter what role she plays as well. Um, and I think that that's one thing you have to compliment her for. Like, it could be very easy for her to get, you know, down on herself or feel a certain way about, you know, being inserted into the starting lineup and taken out of the starting lineup and inserted back in the starting lineup and taking back out of the starting lineup. I think that, especially, you know, when you start 10 games in a row because of Raquana's suspension and then Raquana comes back and then he's just immediately inserted back into the starting lineup. Now, granted, she was practicing. Um, you know, you would, you would go to practice and see her practicing. So it's not like Raquana hadn't played basketball um, for 39 days at all. But still, she hadn't played a official WNBA game in 39 days. And Sydney had been the starter. I think they went on a seven, six or seven game win streak throughout that time period. So she had been playing good basketball, and, and, and it had led to winning basketball. So if her to just accept her role and go back to the bench and not pout, not complain, still come out here and do her job nightly, I think you got to commend that. And I think you have to give her um, – just an just an incredible amount of credit for that, and and also, again, I think that Derek Fisher, obviously um, Washington's coach, is gonna get some votes as well as you know he should. Bill Lambert is probably gonna get some votes. Um, James Wade as well, um, who is the uh, uh, I, I think it's James either John or James Wade um, for the um, Chicago Sky is probably gonna end up getting some votes as well. Also. Seattle Storm coach is going to get some votes when you look at, you know, not having Sue Bird and also uh, Brianna Stewart tearing her Achilles at the, well, really in Europe, is going to get some votes for, the, for them to still get a playoff spot. But I think that you got to just commend the job Fish has done, and I've said this all year. You know, when everybody was down on them earlier in the season, I was just like, yo, just give it some time because I understood what he was doing. You know, me being from Chicago, um, I remember those Bulls teams, and I can see so much of – Fields coaching style in like the 90s and the early 2000s permeating through the Sparks team. Um, and also just managing personalities. Um, and I think that's that's what you've had to do a lot of this year with the Sparks. Um, it's not easy. Um, you know, everybody's not getting all the shots that they want. Everybody's not getting all the time that they want. Um, like, for instance, Raquana could very well want to take 18 shots a game every single night. And with the way Raquana can play and with the way she can score, she realistically has jurisdiction to think that she can take 18 shots a game. Also, NECA, she's giving you a 16 a night, but she could easily give you 20 a night. So she has jurisdiction to think that she should be, you know, getting more plays called for her. Shanae, she's been an all-star. Now she's coming off the bench basically being a six-man, not Sometimes I didn't really the six man. Honestly, I think the six man is really Sydney. The six woman is Sydney. Um, but again, like Elena, being an all star, being a two time defense player of the year, coming off the bench. Um, Maria, I think she was star for most teams. Her coming off the bench. Um, Alexis Jones, who who's been trying to still make a name for herself in the league, and also the two rookies, Marina Mabry and Kalani Brown, who played very very um, significant minutes earlier on in the season when. You know, there were a lot of injuries. Now you go to the game against Connecticut, they play one minute. The only minute they played was when the game was pretty much out of week. They gave out of out of reach. They gave them the last minute of the game. I think you gotta give Fish credit for managing all these personalities throughout the season. Um and I think that that's just I think that him for one like I remember uh, you know, when Gary Payton and Carl Malone signed with the Lakers and this was after the Lakers had three peated. 
and Fish was a very quality starting point guard. And you bring in Gary Payton, who's a Hall of Famer, but you may look at him as kind of over the hill at that point. But Fish has to sacrifice, and Fish still comes in and like has moments. You know, has the point four shot. Um, you know, plays a role off the bench. Some games, he was a better player than Gary Payton was for that for that um, for those um, Lakers teams. But you still got to sacrifice. You still got to come out and do your job. So I think that him having those experiences as a player helps him as a coach to um, remind other players and to encourage other players to just stay ready. You know, even I think it was the game against um, Indiana in which um, uh, 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 Maria takes the elbow to the head. And I think um, Sinead steps in and, and, and she's given more time no, actually, no, Kalani. Kalani actually stepped in, and, and, and she's given more time to produce. You know, like, these things happen. In that game, she played, look it up for you guys. In that game, Kalani played, um, she played a minute, but she played that minute early on in the game. And Maria played a minute, and this is what this is not. This is the first quarter report, but regardless, she she came in and she played significant time. Again, she played a minute in the first quarter, so that shows you that Maria took her elbow to the head, had to sit down. She had to come in and play minutes, but you know what? You stay ready because you never know what will happen. Like, you're in a position where, especially in the games with WNBA, like, it's unless they can keep the top two seed, which I actually got a chance to ask um, a lot of other Sparks about, got a chance to ask um, Shanae about that, and, 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 and got a chance to ask... Um, Candace about that, uh, that as well. Um, everybody needs to stay ready, you know, because you never know what could happen. Like somebody could come in and tweak an ankle. Somebody could come in and 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 get hit the wrong way. Got to go to the bench, and they might have to go to the bench in the pivotal point of the game. Like you never know. Like hey, maybe somebody tweak an ankle. Like not they got seriously hurt, but just like they're too hurt to go for the next five minutes. And now somebody else has to stay ready, stay engaged, and be ready to come in and produce because you're still trying to win a basketball game. But Going along with the um, single elimination, um, I do want to talk about that um, because there's one fear that I have for the Sparks, um, which is a single game elimination, but it's them not covering the three-point line. Um, they get away with it a lot of games because a lot of teams just don't shoot that many threes, for instance. Like, the Fever game, last the, the last game in which they played the Fever. Um, let me look up exactly how many shots they took, or threes they took, but let's see. Um, they took about 17 threes, right? Um, they started hitting them in the fourth quarter, but there were many more opportunities that the Fever just didn't make the right reads that happened throughout the game before they happened to fall down 30 and make shots in the fourth quarter in which it doesn't matter. Um, the Sparks, and I've had, and we, we've had this conversation at practice with Fish many a times, their main focus is locking down the paint. But with your main focus being locking down the paint, that leaves three-point shooters open. And I think that that can be an issue depending upon who you play, especially in single-game elimination. Because, again, it's not like – in a series, you got to play the averages, right? So, right, in like a five-game series, 
I would assume somebody wouldn't stay hot for five games. Like, that's a little bit abnormal. And single-game elimination, like even what you saw with uh, in, in um, the game against the Liberty earlier in the year, um, the center, let me get her name for you guys. Um, um, Amanda Zua, I pray to God I'm pronouncing her name right, but Amanda Zua, she had 37 points, which was her season high. I think she had 25 in the first and was like 7 of 8 from 3, but she was like 7 of 24 coming into that game. Those are the type of games you can have with single-game elimination, you know, and I think that there, there, there are two te- three teams, well, three teams that scare me the most for the Sparks, right? Obviously the Mystics. It took 39 threes one game, and I can guarantee you if the Sparks do that thing but we want to lock down the paint and we're going to just dare you to shoot threes against Washington, it's going to be a quick and easy series. I can promise you that. So I think that you get to play Washington in a series, you're going to have to modify your game plan a little bit because you can go two for two with anybody, but you can't go three for three with anybody. Chicago. The last game against Chicago, I think that the first game that was actually in L.A., I thought that one, um, well, Vandersloot didn't play. It quickly played, but Vandersloot didn't play. Um, and I don't think that the coach best utilized Diamond and Shields. Um, what you saw in the rematch that was in Chicago which is I felt like uh, Coach James Wade just told him, hey, shoot the ball, shoot whatever. If you get a look, shoot. And one thing that I saw quickly doing that she wasn't doing a couple nights before is to pump fake and relocate. Uh, that's something you see Steph Curry do a lot. Um, you see Clay do it a lot. Um, you see a lot of shooters in the Cal Corver. Um, you see a lot of shooters in the NBA do it a lot, but it hasn't necessarily translated to the W yet. Um but so she pumped fake and relocated and got a lot of threes in that game and I uh, and what I think they 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 shot a great percentage and pretty much they won that game because they hit shots they hit threes I mean even you saw the center um, Stephanie Dawson stretching out hitting threes I didn't even know she could do that I think she hit about two or three threes in that game um, so they scare me because they have three guards who I think can all get hot and again if Stephanie Dawson going to come in and hit three threes in the game and as somebody who usually doesn't do that these are all things that in single game elimination can come back to bite you and the Seattle Storm that's my last well actually four teams the Seattle Storm as well reason being for the Seattle Storm is um 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 Sammy in the game they played before she took 13 threes she hit four of them that was the game when they came to LA she took 13 threes and hit four granted it wasn't like these threes was bad shots. She just missed them. Sammy Wickham, she just missed them. I can promise you, if you do that to her again, I think if, if I'm not mistaken, she's the best three-point shooter percentage-wise in the W. If you do that again, again, in a single-game elimination, you give her 13 looks. Let's say you give her nine clean looks. She end up doing something random like shooting 60% one night. That's how you go to the crib. But the thing about Seattle is they have to really create shots based off their defense because with Sue Bird being down and with Brianna being down, besides Jordan Canada, I don't really think they have many ISO creators on the team left right now. Um, obviously, Natasha Howard can get hers, but that's more so in the post. Um, they don't really have any real perimeter scorers. But when it comes to shooters, I'm telling you, somebody like Sammy Wickham, you know, if you give her opportunities and they run some plays for her and she see one or two go in the basket – 
and she starts feeling good about herself, that could be something that's a very, 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 very long night for you. Um, so that's the team. And my last team is uh, the Phoenix Mercury. Reason being is the GOAT coming back. Lady Kobe, Diana Taurasi. I think her last, her first game back was supposed to be yesterday against the uh, Chicago Sky. I think she was cleared to play. Uh, let me check and see if she actually played. She might have actually had to serve her suspension um, in that game. Um, let me check. Um, see if she played. Um, she did play. Yep, she played 22 minutes. She scored 12 points. She was 0 for 6 from 3. But the fact that she's even taking six threes, that's not going to last. Like She's getting, what, I think eight, nine games to get into a rhythm. They're going to end up in the playoffs. Like With Phoenix, their record throughout the regular season hasn't been great. But I don't think they care. I just think that they want to just get in. Like, you're realizing you're missing Diane Taurasi, which is one of the best women's basketball players in history. So it's only so good that you're going to be. When she comes back and she starts to get into a rhythm, if you're not going to cover the three-point line, especially if the thing that Brittany Griner didn't do in the first game against um, the Sparks was make herself doubleable. She didn't make it where you had to double. You could kind of, like, dig, and that was it. It wasn't like you had to double and force her to get the ball out of her hands. If she can come in, be a dominant presence, get rebounds, get most most um, important offensive rebounds, because they've even had a problem with John Quill Jones. I mean, even I asked I asked Candace Parker what happened in the second half, and it's one of the best answers I've gotten from a player about anything. Um, the only other player that I can remember even seeing a clip of them breaking down a game that they had just played in as well was it was like a LeBron James clip when he basically ran through like four straight possessions and what happened on each possession after the game, which is basically what Candace did to me. And I and like I really want to make sure that um, I get the that clip that clip um in there for you guys because it it, it just it just shows you like her basketball IQ uh, of one Candace Parker, especially like when I and even when I see some I was watching the game on, on um, NBA TV. And what she was talking about was like, well, she was uh, commenting when they did the players only thing on um, Wizards Rockets, and she was commentating the game, and like you could see her IQ there. But it was just great to see it up close, in personal for a game that I covered. But going back um, to my point um, with Diana Taurasi, she's the person that, I mean, you get in the playoffs. Let's say you know same game elimination, they beat whoever in the first round. They play the best seed of you know the lowest seed that's left. That's a scary team. Like, that's not the same Phoenix Mercury team that you faced in the regular season. Diana Taurasi is back. And if she gets hot from three-point, from distance, which she very well could, that's also a game that you can go home in. Now, anybody else, it doesn't really bother me. Now, again, I, I still think they can – I still think they, they, that the Sparks would be the favorite in all of these matchups. It's up against Washington. I think that the best-case scenario for playing Washington is playing them in the finals. I think you need to avoid Washington for as long as possible. I think that Washington, when I look at it, is the best team in the W right now. Um, the Sparks, I think, talent-wise, are second. But I think that Washington is first, and Chrissy Tolliver has been out for, like, 10 games. And they've still been dragging teams. They hit an NBA, not an NBA, a WNBA record for threes with, with without Chrissy Tolliver on the court. So when she come back, you can only imagine what could possibly happen. So I think that they're the best team. But after that, I got to look at the Sparks. So I think they would be the favorite in any of these matchups. But that's in a series. In single-game elimination, especially with the way that 
they don't cover the three-point line the way that I would love them to sometimes. Um, now, granted, I get why they do it. Like, you got to give up something. And the fact that a lot of teams, either one, don't shoot that well or just don't shoot that many threes, they can get away with it a lot of nights. But what happens on the night that you can't get away with it? Like, what happens when a coach comes in and says, hey, guys, look, we've watched film, you know, it seems like they want to lock up the paint, but that they're comfortable with giving up threes. So you know what I want y'all to do? Get up 33s. I don't care how you get them up, just get them up. Head hunt for the three. What happens? And then somebody end up getting hot, and you at the crib. So when it comes to the, to the, to the Sparks, that's literally my only fear. I have no other fear besides that for this basketball team. Um, I think that, hey, I, I, we, we, we very well be maybe on the verge of bringing another championship to L.A., which would be the first championship since, what, for L.A. team since, I can't forget if the Kings won. I can't remember if the Kings won a, won a championship. I can't remember the uh, hockey team. Um, I don't know if the Galaxy won one either. Rams didn't win one. Clippers ain't won one. Lakers ain't won one. So we could be on the verge of basically the first L.A. championship in a decade with the Sparks. I think that they have that real type of potential. And, again, i said this many times during the season, the scary thing for everybody with the Sparks, even for themselves, is they still don't know who they can be. I don't even think they still even know, have any idea how good they can actually be. I think that they're getting an idea now because you're getting everybody back. But like I said, you played 27 games at that point, and they had just got all 12 people that they actually signed to be a part of this team back and in uniform and active a week ago. Not even a week, six days ago. So 27 games into the season with maybe, what, eight, nine games left, you finally get your full roster. Like, I think that that's scary, you know, because most teams don't even really have a scout report on them because you probably played them when they weren't healthy. So you don't even know how to draw from your past experiences against this Sparks team because that's not the experience that you're going to have when you see them again, you know. So I think we could be on the verge of, of, of you know, something special. Um, um, and And I'm happy to be a part of it. And uh, yeah, man. I, I, I look, man. That's been Sparklight. We can, you know, hopefully um, next time when we link back up, they haven't suffered too many L's, um, and you know they can keep uh, their winning ways and their positive habits going. And um, yeah, we'll see what the playoffs hold. You know, um, um, like I said, I think we could be on the verge of something special with the Sparks team. So um, it's been Sparklight. And um, until next time, go Sparks.